baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Chris and Amy on KMOX. Good to have you along for the ride today. We were talking just briefly, uh, mentioned it at the top of the show, about funding for Ukraine, which has been in jeopardy really for, I would say, the last several months as a lot of the support for Ukraine has started to wane, primarily in the Republican Party in the House anyway, um, to discuss what would happen or what could be the result of not funding them in their effort to drive out Russia. We go to the Quiver River Electric guest line this morning, and we visit with Krister Knapp, professor of history and national security at Washington University. You've heard him here on the show before. Krister and Dr. Knapp, it's good to talk to you. How are you? Uh, Doing great. How are you today? We are doing okay. The White House had uh, sent a letter to Congress wanting them to act on Ukraine, knowing that uh, the funding is basically run dry. What would happen if we stop giving them the support in the in terms of uh, money or in terms of weapons or whatever the case may be? Well, I mean, I think going forward, it would be a much it would be a very difficult process for Ukraine to continue um, fighting their war. But it's important to pause here a little bit and back up and realize that the funding has actually not run out and has not and is not actually going to run out immediately. And so a little bit of elaboration, I think, is necessary here because I think the the carts, uh, the horses before the cart here, so, or the carts before the horse. So first of all, U- U.S. foreign aid and funding is very Byzantine, but it's important to realize that funding is always done several years out. And so the initial package that the Congress approved uh, called the Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative allocated allocated didn't actually yet spend but allocated 113 billion dollars since the war started in february 22 so 62 billion went to the department of defense but they've only spent about 40 to 45 billion of that so far Um, the other parts 32 went to usaid and the rest went to the state department for you know economic and humanitarian aid and things like that So there's actually still some money, in fact, a fair amount of money that's still existing, that still exists in the the budget that was allocated, and that's already allocated. There's nothing that Congress can do to sort of take that money back. So there's still some billions of dollars to spend. So that's, that's one source, but there's actually another source of funding, too, that the president has that he can use in emergencies, and this is what's known as the Presidential Drawdown Authority, not to get too wonky on you guys, but of the Foreign Assistant Act from 1961. And essentially that gives the president a small pot of money that he can use, not so much in terms of sending direct dollars, but mainly sending existing military hardware from the shelves to Ukraine. And they have probably over $6 billion in value left of of weapons that they could send. There's also been an accounting error uh, to the U.S.'s favor in the the, the, uh, Defense Department, the Pentagon's budget, and there's about $5.6 billion left there. 
So when you add up all of the money from the initial allocation, the rounding error in the accounting, and the presidential drawdown authority, there's actually still multiple billions of dollars available and weapons to be sent. So there isn't an emergency now. Um, and so we're not quite at the point yet where we're ready to still project outward that Ukraine won't be able to fight this war, although we do need to start thinking about what will happen if Congress doesn't fund things. But for now, I would say they could go as late as the fiscal year 2024-2025, which would be starting next July, and probably even into the November elections, at which point we would probably have a very different political situation on our hands domestically. So why then would the director of the White House Office of Management and Budget, Shalanda Young, why would she say, quote, we are out of money and nearly out of time, and that the U.S. will, quote, will run out of resources to support Ukraine by the end of the year if Congress doesn't approve additional emergency funds. Right, because what they're talking about is approving budgets for the following year. They actually have, so they're, 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 it's a bit of a miscue here, right? They're really talking about what the spending is going to be in the coming years, not what really is now. Um, and they're saying that to put political pressure on Congress to move now, because these things take a long time to move through the committees and the budgetary process uh, to get final approval. And then actually for the money to be allocated and then the weapons to be shipped. And that can be weeks or if not months at a time. So they're starting ringing the alarm bells now because they know that. Um, if they don't, uh, then six months, a year down the road, that, that's when the true alarm is going to go off. Visiting with Krister Knapp, who is a professor of history and national security at Washington University. And um, in response to that White House letter to Mike Johnson, Speaker Johnson responded to it, saying that the Biden administration has failed to substantively address any of the conference's legitimate concerns about the lack of a clear strategy in Ukraine. This is my personal read on it. You could tell me I'm wrong, but it, it almost seems to me like they're not going to be satisfied with anything that they are told. They just they just don't support it. Is there an issue of the the White House and the administration not being precisely clear on where the money is going? because we know a lot of it is to arms. So what is the situation there? And am I wrong on that? Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. No, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I think there's two large issues here. There's a question about security and the national policy that we have for providing aid and um, defense for Ukraine to fight its war against Russia. And then there's a question about the domestic politics. And there are other issues at play there. So on the on the first issue, um, I do think the Biden administration needs to be clearer and be able to, to explain to the American people, to the Congress, uh, exactly what the, the strategy is going to be going forward in light of the fact of the failed spring and summer offensive, which did not deliver the, the desired results. There's been virtually no movement uh, on the line. We, everyone has now admitted, both Russian generals, Ukrainian generals, and U.S. defense officials have admitted that we are essentially in a stalemate. 
And so I think it's a legitimate question for Congress and the American people to ask and to expect the Biden administration to provide an answer for what is the strategy going forward if we're going to approve yet a new package, however many months and years down the road it will be, to continue sending aid for Ukraine. I think that that strategy can be provided, but I think they have to do a better job at explaining it. But of course, there's also the domestic politics issue at stake here. Part of it is in, part of it. Yes, yeah, some Republicans are just no, no matter what you say, they're just not going to give the aid. But part of it has to do with um, not whether, but how much. And then also it's tied to other issues. So almost all of these bills, including the, re- the recent one that the president sent to Congress for over 100 billion, only about 68 billion would go to Ukraine. Uh, a bunch of that was going to go to Israel, and some of that was going to go for China, and some of it was going to go for border security, including funds to continue paying to build the wall, which I think has surprised many people that the Biden administration is actually continuing to build the wall along parts of the southern border. And I think part of what uh, the um, extreme elements in the Republican Party want is more funds for the wall. Um, when you talk about Ukraine Israel and the wall and funding going there. Uh, I guess I understand what that would, how those funds would be used in a very broad sense. When you said China, what what are the funds doing when you say that some of the funds were for China? So they haven't been specific on what that would be. Other, But at the general level, the U.S. considers China to be our biggest, most long-term so-called pacing threat. And so, of course, as you know, Amy, we've been shifting a lot of funds and capabilities, weapons, diplomatic uh, strengths, all sorts of things to to the to the Asia Pacific in an effort to uh, for our strategic competition, as the Biden administration calls it, with China. And so I think any additional aid that they can get proved in any bill uh, is going to help them in their long term uh, competition with China. And so funding is you know, we think, okay, we hear Ukraine and we think funding, we put a dollar amount on it. And then we think the Ukrainians get that money in weapons, but that's not what happens. The money is often attached to other bills or there are other things that are attached to the bill for the, for the, for Ukraine. And you have to sort of follow where that money goes. And it becomes a, a political argument about each Senator or Congressman or woman wanting to get their little part tacked onto it. And so, so sometimes an administration, in this case, the Biden administration has to sort of swallow hard on certain things if they, if they want their aid. And I, I think that's part of what's going on here. What in, If you had to um, guess what's going to end up happening here over the next several months, what direction do you think we'll take in terms of increasing the funding there? Well, as I said, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't expect any change on the domestic front in terms of immediate support for Ukraine unless the Biden administration agrees to some sort of political compromise with the Republicans for something the Republicans want. And he asked for a smaller, more incremental amount. So there's been a number of 24 billion being floated around rather than the initial 106 billion. Um, And so that's another way to do is kind of sneak it in through uh, through other bills. Um, But as I said, there there is still plenty of money and weapons um, to be sent to Ukraine that will last for the next year. But that will then exhaust the the, um, funding sources. Uh, So, you know, again, we're safe for the short term here for those that support 
the U.S. effort in Ukraine. Um, there isn't as much of an emergency as they're saying, but they're saying that emergency because they're playing political hardball yeah. to force the Republicans. Yeah. That, that's what it sounds like, that they're getting a head start on it because they know it's going to become a real fight down the road. Um, Chris Knapp, we appreciate the information as always. Thank you for visiting with us today. Thanks for having me on. Chris Knapp, professor of history and national security at Washington University here in St. Louis. And by the way, we were talking about that Rams settlement money meeting. Well, um, our favorite, one of our favorite Alder women, uh, Shamim Clark Hubbard was listening and she said, we did have the meeting and she's going to talk about it with us at 11 o'clock. So she will join us and, and give us her input and what they did discuss at the meeting on Saturday. That's Amy Marks Cores. I'm Chris Ranji. Did you see this is next on KMOX. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen. We have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.